Okay, today we come to Revelation chapter 10. And Revelation chapter 10 is nearing the end of this third section, third of seven sections in Revelation. This third section began in chapter 8 and will run through chapter 11. And today we're in chapter 10. Again, each of these seven sections are describing the whole period of time between the first and second comings of Jesus. So here we're in the third of those seven sections. And just to remind you, uh, that the main feature of this section in Revelation has been the blowing of the seven trumpets. This section, the section before this one, focused on the breaking and opening of the seven seals. Here we're on the, the blowing of the seven trumpets. And these trumpets have symbolized initial or partial measures of God's judgment on the earth. That will be sort of uh, continuously active in the world until Christ returns at which time the full measure of God's wrath and judgment will be poured out. Those judgments will be later symbolized more fully or in a more progressive manner in the pouring out of seven bowls. We're not there yet, um, but we've already looked at, uh, in chapters 8 and 9, at the blowing of the first six of the seven trumpets. And coming to chapter 10 today, it's interesting um, in that there is not a trumpet blown in this in this chapter, you'd think that here you would come to that seventh and final trumpet. But instead, what you actually have is uh, described is the stage being set for the blowing of that last trumpet. The, the last trumpet, uh, the seventh trumpet, won't actually be sounded until the middle of the next chapter. For the purposes of this podcast, um, I just want to look at the first half of the chapter today, I mean, you read the whole chapter by all means to stay on track, but for the podcast, I want to talk about the first half today, and then uh, tomorrow I'll talk about the second half of the chapter in conjunction with and together with our discussion of chapter 11. So bottom line, we're just going to focus on the first half, verses 1 through 7, for the podcast today. And I think the one overarching theme of this chapter I would describe as uh, seeing the distinction between cre- creator and creature, between the infinite and the finite. Like so many chapters we've covered so far in Revelation, this one opens with a vision from another angel. Look at verse 1. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud, with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun, and his legs like pillars of fire. I, you know, I wanted you to look at that. Just, just read that verse again by on your own, you know, because not only does it show that we're introduced to an angel, just like other chapters, but the description given to this angel is very unlike descriptions we've read before. In fact, the descriptions here in verse one and in later verses have caused some interpreters to debate whether or not this angel actually represents Christ Himself. I mean, when you look carefully at the descriptions, you can understand why. And I can see how this angel may represent Jesus himself. Look look at the description a little closer. First of all, in verse 1, it's not just any angel mentioned, but a mighty angel. A mighty angel. He was coming down from heaven. Uh, and then a string of descriptions ensue. This mighty angel is described in verse 1 as being wrapped in a cloud. Wrapped in a cloud. That's interesting because... Uh, Throughout the Old Testament, the presence of God himself was represented by a cloud, the presence of God. Just a few examples, Exodus 13, 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud 
to lead them along the way. In Exodus 19, 16, as Moses was on the mountain with God receiving the Ten Commandments, it says, On the morning of the third day there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Just one more example. Exodus chapter 40, verses 34 and 35, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. So over and over again in the Old Testament, the glory and presence of God himself was designated by a cloud. And so to take it on into the New Testament, the second coming of Jesus is described as him coming with the clouds of heaven. Daniel prophesies the second coming in that way, and Jesus himself described it that way. So that this mighty angel in Revelation 10.1 is described as being wrapped in a cloud. You begin to wonder if this angel is more than other angels we've, we've come across. I mean, in, in, in light of the fact also um, that this word angel, angelos in Greek, can mean not just a, a, an angel, but a, but a messenger, one who's bringing a word. And uh, certainly that could be true here. In verse 1, it says, in addition to being wrapped in a cloud, it says that there was a rainbow over his head. Um, and every other time we've seen a rainbow in Revelation, it was around the throne of God himself. Now, add to that uh, here in verse 1, again, it says of this mighty angel that his face was like the sun. And this same imagery, uh, this language, was already used to describe Jesus himself earlier in Revelation. Revelation 1.16 said of Jesus, In his right hand he held seven stars, and from his mouth come a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in full strength. That's of Jesus in Re Revelation 1.16. That's picked up, that same language picked up again here in, in chapter 10. And of course, Jesus' face shone like the sun at the transfiguration as well. Um, so this this is another description of an angel or a messenger, but one that sounds an awful lot like Jesus. And I don't think it's mere coincidence that again here in verse 1, his legs were like pillars of fire, which, gosh, as you probably know, this was also a symbol of the presence of the Lord in Exodus. Again, it was a cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. And we have like both of those descriptions in this one person. You put all these things together and they seem to indicate something different about this angel than all of the other angels we've come across in the book. This one seems to be divine. And then as you keep on reading, especially in verse 3, uh, when this angel speaks, John describes it by saying, the seven thunders sounded. The seven thunders sounded. Now we're not told exactly what these seven thunders are, but we can make an educated guess. It's interesting that in the Old Testament, the voice of the Lord is often described with the imagery of thunder. We kind of already saw that in Exodus 19 when Moses was on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. God voice, God's voice sounded uh, and was described like thunder. In Psalm 29, it says, The God of glory thunders. Well, how? Well, in that same psalm, the voice of the Lord is mentioned seven times in the rest of the psalm. So how does the God of glory thunder? With his voice. So I put all this together and it seems like a mountain of evidence that this mighty angel in Revelation 10 is Christ himself. And when this uh, angel speaks, it is Christ the Lord who is speaking. As to what these uh, thunders are, though, we're not told. They are the voice of the Lord saying something, but we're not told what. We were told what the seven lampstands were. 
and what the seven seals were and what the seven trumpets are. But as soon as the seven thunders are mentioned in verse 3, they are sealed up in verse 4. They're left unrevealed to us. Look at verse 4. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I, ha- I heard a voice from heaven saying, Seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. <laughs> That's a humbling thought. What it, what it, it's humbling in this way. The seven seals represented principles operating in the world throughout the church age. The seven trumpets represented principles of God's judgment operating in the world throughout the church age. The seven thunders represent some kind of principle operating in the world by God's design, but we simply do not know what it is. We're not told it was sealed up. One common tendency among people is that we often disbelieve what we don't understand or what we cannot verify. Here is the Lord telling us, by mentioning the seven thunders, that there are things operating in the world to which we are completely ignorant. The only way we would know is to be told. But the verdict here to John is, seal up what the seven thunders have said and do not write it down. So this first half of chapter 10 reminds us that God is sovereign over the world he's made. He's the creator, we're the creature. He's the infinite, we are the finite. And he is working in the world in ways that we don't even know. I believe here in chapter 10 that that message is is a message delivered us not just from any angel, but from Christ himself. It is always worth trusting him because he is working for us in ways that we cannot even comprehend. And those are just a few thoughts from Revelation chapter 10.